Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is Tuesday, right around 11 a.m. Cavs back on the practice floor this afternoon. Uh, game five between the Cavs and the Pacers in the first round is Wednesday at the Q. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you. We'll get into your questions as we uh, sent the bet signal out on Twitter for you to send any questions that you have. We will get to those coming up in about 15 minutes. But Joe, a different kind of feeling for the Cavs as they head into game five as opposed to game four. It's a 2-2 series. Cavs have home court advantage back. Uh, They need to win two games, and they've got two home games if needed to get that done. Uh, The vibe around this team after Game 4, how would you explain it compared to uh, some of the other times throughout this series? Well, I I guess you would say things felt a little better. Okay. Um, I think it was important for for all the new guys who played well in Game 4. I think it was important for them. And regardless of what he says, I think it was important for LeBron to see that this was at least possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that if put in certain situations, that there would be some guys who maybe he could count on. And I think probably the most important thing was that someone other than LeBron made shots when it mattered in the fourth quarter, and, that, and that's Kyle Korver. Now, Kyle's 37 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many times he's been in the playoffs, but it's been a lot. Mm-hmm. He was here last year. Um, but since he's been here in the playoffs, he hasn't been great. Um, and you just, you know, you watch all these other games. Like you watch the Boston-Milwaukee game, and on one possession, it's Rogier. On the next possession, it's Morris. And on the other side, it's Giannis. And then the next one, it's Brogdon. And mm-hmm. then there's, there's like all these guys that make plays. And then when you watch the Cavs, it's just LeBron. And so I think for him, I think it was important um, to see the ball go in for Korver. Uh, you asked at the top um, if things feel different in the vibe. It's hard to say. Uh, it, the, things feel a little better, as I mentioned, but this series has been so strange. It's been so game to game that you think the Cavs are in a better spot, but uh, like I, I don't know that they are going to win tomorrow night. I, I, I think the chances feel a little better than they did 48 hours ago, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the, this is tight. It's a weird thing because if we go back to how we felt initially after the Cavs won game four and you were sitting there trying to process everything that happened and Kyle Korver's huge three-pointers were so important and they even set up the drive that LeBron had to put him up six at that point. Um, But then some other things happened at the end of the game where you were thinking maybe that's going to be a jump ball, maybe they're going to call a travel against Jeff Green and Indiana's going to have a shot. After that game ended, 
I, I said to myself, like, I'm not convinced that the Cavs are the better team in this series still. Um, I'm not convinced that they play together as a team better than Indiana does. I'm not convinced that they play harder than Indiana. And I'm not convinced that their in-game adjustments are better than what Indiana has done. But I think they should win the series because they have home court advantage um, and because they have LeBron. So I guess that's the way that I'm looking at it. But everything with this team, Joe, has been big picture, big picture, big picture. Can they get out of the Eastern Conference? Can they win an NBA championship? So I don't know how to feel about their chances moving forward Mm -hmm. after this particular series. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this earlier this morning. Um, I think there is a sense that if the Cavs were to get through this round, that Mm -hmm. they would match up better against... You know, arguably the 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 top the the higher seeded teams in this in this conference um, during the regular season, uh, they they for the most part played really well against Toronto and and Boston mm-hmm. and even Philly, um, and so you know I think that's kind of the sentiment out there. If somehow Washington were able to upset Toronto, um, you know the Cavs always play well against them. So you you think that, but you definitely see you need to see more. Mm-hmm. Um I thought the way the Cavs played in the first half, probably more so in the in game 4 than in game 3 even though both times they built a huge lead. I think the way they played in the in the first half of game 4 shows you that they can be uh a significantly better team than Indiana and can be as good as anybody in the East. What did you like so much about it? Just because um, Ty went to his bench. Right. They did competent things. Yes. You know, Jordan Clarkson played like the Jordan Clarkson we saw in February. Fearless attack. Fearless, shoot the rock, yep. get to the hole, shoot threes. Uh, that, that Larry Nance was competent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Rodney Hood was aggressive. Uh, and then, yeah, so, so those, are the things, those are the things I like. I also like... Um, like, J.R. Smith's shooting numbers haven't been great in mm-hmm. the series, but I think he's playing really hard, and I think he's engaged, and I think he helps. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so for those reasons, I think that they can be that team. Um, but whether it's they're playing LeBron too much and so he's tired in the second half, or these other guys are going into their shells too much, mm-hmm. um, they have to... They haven't been that team that we've seen in the first half enough. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that that's why I think you would need to give pause before you anoint them the winner of this series. And that I think you would just, you'd be wise to scratch your head on whatever comes next. Because I, I don't know. I mean, to add one more thing to the whole second half thing, um, there's been a lot of conversation about Ty Lue and, how he has performed throughout the course of his postseason career and how he has done so far in this series against Indiana. Um, I feel like their game plans going into games have been really, really good. The adjustments that they've made from game to game, very, very good. Um, But I think in in the second half, some of the things that you start to see beyond some of the stuff that you were talking about, Joe, is the fact that Indiana understands what that game plan is and they counter in-game or they anticipate what it is they have to do. 
And on one hand, Ty could sit there and say, well, you know, we built a 17-point lead. What adjustments should I have to make? Or we built a 16-point mm-hmm. lead. Why should I have to make adjustments at halftime? But I think as a coach, you have to kind of um, anticipate what another team may do to counter some of your stuff. And I don't know that the Cavs have been great from that standpoint. Or maybe, Joe, maybe more fairly, it's the fact that Indiana has been better at those kinds of things. And they can see what the Cavs are doing in one half. And they can figure out what they have to do different in the second half. And they're able to do that. Like the other night when the Cavs kept blitzing Oladipo over and over and over again. Their logical counter was to set that screen, instead of with a big guy, set that screen with Darren Collison. And then, if two guys go at Oladipo, then the guy that's sitting on his own open that can attack a four-on-three situation is Darren Collison. That's a lot different than maybe it's Thaddeus Young or mm-hmm. Boyan Bogdanovich or somebody like that. Miles Turner. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Collison's numbers were in that third quarter. I do know that Bogdanovich knocked down two threes. Mm-hmm. Um, that that hurt, and and Miles Turner hit a three. That was one of the the plays that LeBron was talking about with a defensive breakdown there. Um, so Ty said that they get, that they they got out of the blitz. Um, I don't know exactly when that happened. I think you could probably make a case that it took too long for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do. I think you also need to take a look at uh, in addition to maybe being slow with the schematic adjustment, um, I thought it became pretty clear that uh, that Kevin was having a hard time with Sabonis. Agreed. And rather than remove Kevin for whether it be Rodney Hood or if you even wanted to go back to Tristan, who Tristan. I thought gave him... T- gave him Very some, good in the see, first I, half. I, I thought so too. I don't know that the Cavs agree with us. Um, huh. I, 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 th- I thought that, that he did, that, that he did play well. But, but instead of going there, um, they, they actually tried to ride Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, you know, he's dropping the ball, yep. he's missing shots, he's brutal in that third quarter. And so, uh, but given who they have on this team, you know, you, I think you can understand why you wouldn't want to adjust by going away from your other all-star. Sure. So I so I, I give him a benefit there, um, and then like listen, you know, without LeBron, they would be nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, they'd be dust. But he has not been good in these last two third quarters. Mm-hmm. Like he was one of six when they gave up the seventeen point lead. Right. And he scored a point the other night. Mm-hmm. Like that's not him. Yeah. Like that. Like, and they they can't sustain that. So so I I think it's a number of issues. Um, you know, and, and, and I think the adjustments are just one of them. Yeah. Um, I thought the other thing that was uh, interesting and important from Game 4, Joe, is the fact that it seems like, seems like, and maybe it's just this particular matchup, um, it seems like Ty has found a five-man group that he's comfortable closing the game with. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Oh, I think so. Okay. I think so. And And I don't know that it's always going to be Jeff Green moving forward, and I'm not... 100% on board with it if it is Jeff Green <laughs> moving forward to be honest with yeah. you but I think it's important for a coach to find comfort and trust in a group and if it happens to be that okay at least it's something whereas going into the series I think we were all wondering what it was going to be and I think Ty was kind of wondering what it was going to be well that was an important step um, that you saw Jeff Green play closer to how he was in the regular season 
the other night in game four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had eight points. Right. But he made a big three. Made a big three. That was good. He went to the hole a couple times, had a nasty dunk yep. on somebody. Yep. Um, and just was was better about squaring his shoulders and going to the going to the rim. I, I, I really thought Chris in the first three games the rim. Mm. Like I just don't think he wanted a part of a part of this. Um and given the things that he does do well and what how he can complement LeBron even defensively, um I think it's important that they can count on him down the stretch. Hmm. It seems like um, if if we're trying to like whittle it down to a from a ten man to a nine man, eight man, something along those lines, um, it seems like it would take a lot, uh, a lot of bad, for Ty to go away from him. Is that fair to say? From Jeff? Yes. <laughs> well, I I think he I think he thought he was going away from him at the start of Game Four. Um, but then between like not wanting to play overexpose Jose mm-hmm. and, and Jeff, Kevin's foul trouble, Kevin's foul trouble and Jeff having to play and not being totally awful. I think all those things, because I, I mean, t- Ty had kind of indicated to me that, that Jeff was out. Okay. Interesting. Um, you know, but he also said that he's out so long as these other things happen. Yeah. And they didn't happen. Yeah. Why do you think um, they don't believe Tristan Thompson played as well in the first half as a lot of other people do, including you and I? Well, I don't know because because I didn't get I didn't get that far. Yeah, I, I didn't get the explanation because there were so many other things. I just got I got the sense from them that they did not agree that that, huh. that his energy was there and that his you know his plus minus was great. Yeah, plus seven. Yeah, plus seven, and I think that I I don't think that's an empty number. I think he. Contributed. I agree. I agree. Set a lot of screens to open guys up, and I think the other thing that you see is just a familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the second half of Game 4? I think it was. Larry Nance Jr. drove down the middle of the paint, right? And instead of Clarkson being in the corner where guys usually are, Clarkson kind of um, shifted over towards the wing, mm-hmm. and Nance Jr. threw the ball into the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, even though those two guys played together in Los Angeles, they're still kind of figuring out each other and figuring out that chemistry and that familiarity is not there. Whereas Tristan Thompson, LeBron James at one point in the first half was dribbling the ball up the court and Tristan just knew exactly what LeBron was thinking. Mm-hmm. So immediately Tristan decided to go and he set a screen, a back screen on Kyle Korver's guy okay. to get Korver a wide open look from three. Like, if that's Larry Nance Jr., I don't think he reads the situation the same way. I don't think there's that familiarity where he knows LeBron is probably going to look for Corver in the corner. But they've played together so long that Tristan has that innate ability to do that. And I think that's valuable, especially when you're trying to uh, work through all the things that the Cavs are working through right now. Yeah. And I think it's become clear, uh, you know, through four games that, that this is a hard series for Kevin. Oh, without a doubt, Thaddeus Young is um, doing such a good job against and, him. And I don't think I, I think in a in a seven game series against the Raptors, I think Kevin would be better. I agree. Um, and so going back to what we were talking about at the top, I think that would be a reason for optimism if the Cavs survive this. Uh-huh. That then Kevin will be more of an option. Um, 
and then if he becomes an option, then you feel like Corver becomes more. Like it just it goes on down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, they're they're really scrambling to find who else besides LeBron can give them anything. And for a night, they were able to do it. They right. actually got three other guys in double figures, um, which they hadn't done all series. So. You have to hope they can build on that. What's your feel of LeBron in this series and just his approach and his mindset? So um, I think that I think th- there are two camps on this. And okay. I think most, most observers, um, I, think, I think everybody believes that LeBron's uh, production is mostly, mostly great. Mm-hmm. I think that his personal level of engagement is not peak LeBron. Okay. Um, I think Jason, uh, you know, our colleague Jason Lloyd said it, mentioned it best in a conversation recently. There's, there's good, there's great, there's Hall of Fame, and then there's this tiny sliver of air, of air above that. Okay. And LeBron is capable of that tiny little sliver. Right. And he's not he's not doing it. Yeah. And it's you can look at the numbers and again they're beyond reproach, but you know it when you see it when LeBron owns the series. Mm-hmm. You just you know it. And you don't I don't think you see it. So I have a theory on this. That could be way off. Um I think LeBron knows or believes, however you want to phrase it. Um that he could win this series against Indiana if he got to that level consistently, or if he got to that level four times, right? Um, I think he he believes that if this team is going to go further um, than just this first round, um, and maybe even to the NBA Finals, like he is going to need Jordan Clarkson to be confident, and he's going to need Rodney Hood, and he's going to need the contributions of Jeff Green and some of these other guys, and Kyle Korver to hit big shots. So I think he thinks it may be better for him to not have it be LeBron James to the rescue, unless it absolutely has to be. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope that's what's going on. Um, I, I, I do. Uh, it just, but it's it's something that's hard to explain, for one, and then it's hard to even see it unless you know him. But mm-hmm. we know him. Right. And so he just he doesn't sound like he normally sounds. He doesn't look like he normally looks body mm-hmm. language wise, just, you know, passion wise. And I mean, in a way that sounds insane. I mean, he, he's playing 46 minutes. Right. That's nuts. Scoring. He's averaging 33 or something like yeah. that in the series. Something stupid. Um, so it's it it's a tough argument to make, but it, it is there. And um your explanation for it um, would be great for the Cavs if it's true. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's go to questions yes, here. because we have more work to do. Yes. Uh, Jacob says, if the Cavs lose, does that mean that the Browns will draft Josh Allen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it does. Uh, that's awesome. Young MC says, what's the bigger factor affecting the Cavs this year? Parity between teams, increasing or internal dysfunction, Kyrie fallout. Would last year's Cavs be able to walk through the East this year? Yeah, um, probably. I, I mean, I just, 
they were that would have been another year of LeBron and, and Kyrie playing together with Kevin as a third option. Um, assuming assuming health, yes, I think they'd be fine. Yeah, I think the um, we've talked about this before on the podcast, and I don't want to sound off alarm bells and make it sound really really negative, but but I think the reality is. LeBron James has never won an NBA championship without that secondary creator. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that this team is missing, and I don't know who could fill that role, is there somebody that's on this roster that maybe can step into it? I, I don't know. Is it Jordan Clarkson? Is it Rodney Hood? Is it? Uh, it's probably the two options. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody else that could even be considered. Right. But that secondary creator, especially in a seven-game series in the playoffs, it's it's almost a must nowadays. Um, Kevin is the second scoring option on the team, but he can't create shots for himself. He's reliant on a point guard getting him the ball or um, actions with Kyle Korver where they're screening for each other and he can pop for a three-pointer or it's pick-and-pop stuff with LeBron. It's It's that secondary creator that when the Cavs lose at some point in these playoffs, Joe, I think it's going to be that's the thing that holds them back. Yeah, I mean, I, I really I think that's true. Because then, in the past it was, okay, defense. The defense had to, to do a bunch of different things. Like, okay, we've got to load up to try and slow down LeBron or load up to try and slow down Kyrie or close out to shooters. And it's like three things that you have to do almost – on every single possession. And you can probably do one or two of those things, Mm. but you probably couldn't do all three. And now it's just like, load up to try and slow down LeBron, close out to shooters. It's just the Cavs have become easier to guard based on all of these things that have happened. And I know that he wasn't right, and he wasn't the right fit, but the thinking behind Isaiah Thomas was that. Like, if we get peak Isaiah or MVP-type Isaiah... Now, all of a sudden, that's, that's a guy that an opposing defense is going to have to focus on or send an extra body against. He never got to that level, and that's why it made sense for them to move on. But in the offseason, the thinking would be, okay, there's our secondary creator potentially in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and it's, um, you know, whenever this season ends, um, I, I think that, that the epitaph really is going to be they traded Kyrie and then organizationally they failed to replace him. And what does that mean? From a, from a front office perspective, they never brought in somebody who can, n- not, not that's equal to Kyrie because there's only one, but, but who can maybe do some of those things, mm-hmm. albeit not as well. They didn't do that. Right. Um, they tried with Isaiah, but that failed. And then Ty and LeBron failed to change, like, change how they play and or change how the Cavs play because they didn't have a big three anymore. Um, you have more role players, right? Mm-hmm. They should be running more consistent sets. They should be running floppy. They should be running, you know, plays that LeBron can pass out of. And right. Kyle should be running more off the screen. Elbow curl big. Yeah, like they should be doing that. Yep. They should be doing that every time. Like they should be running a system right. because they don't have stars. Right. But they still play like they have stars. I know. And that's, that's... I think the good thing at the end of Game 4 is, like, they could have just been like, hey, LeBron, save us. LeBron, ISO, go at your guy. And they ran stuff for Korver. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
and and the action from Corver hitting that three led to LeBron getting the layup, but it was the same kind of action. I thought that was really, really important moving forward, to yeah. be able to do those kinds of things when there was a lot of pressure, when you absolutely had to have a bucket. Like, they played as a team, whereas Indiana tried to go at it one-on-one with Victor Oladipo. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you know want more out of your guys than you got to use them. What do you make of the way that the Cavs have defended in the first four games of this series? I was going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> um, the numbers are there. The, the numbers are certainly there. The numbers are, are way better than they were in the, in the uh, regular season. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not close. Um, you know, Indiana's still getting really good looks. Uh, they're still shooting at a relatively high percentage. Um, the Cavs are doing a good job turning them over. Yep. Um, they've also had uh, break. They had a breakdown in Game One. They lost Oladipo. They had a breakdown in Game Three. They lost Bogdanovich. Um, they had a breakdown in Game Two and lost Oladipo. Did you mean that when you said Game One when they got blown out by eighteen? Yeah, well, I mean, they 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 like they they came into that game wanting to take away what they do best, right, and right. they failed. Right. You know, so so they yeah. didn't give up a hundred points, but Oladipo torched them for thirty-two. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so. So you know. So so they they could have been better. Um. The thing that I was really worried about in Game Four that did not happen is they were down two to one. They had played. For them, good defense through three games, and they were still losing. Mm-hmm. I was very concerned that game four would be the the lapse. Okay, you yeah, know? right. They would relapse, mm. and that's how they would lose the series. Yep. That didn't happen, so right. now they've played four games of, for them, competent defense. Yeah. Um, I'll give them a ton of credit. I mean, I wrote it after game three. If you would have told me that through three games, Indiana would not have hit the 100-point mark at all, I would have been like, okay, Cavs on the verge of the sweep. Mm-hmm. Um, so they deserve a ton of credit for their defense. Um, but but I think this requires a little bit of perspective, and it's not because Indiana's not good or anything like that. I think they have shown in this particular series to be a tough matchup and a feisty team. Um, but the thing that we, we knew about the Cavs and we have seen with the Cavs over the last couple of playoff runs, when they play against a one-star team, they look great defensively. Because they just implement the scheme of anybody but that guy. We're Mm going to blitz you. We're going to make you uncomfortable. We're going to make your offense do something that it doesn't want to do or it's not accustomed to doing. So I'm going to reserve my judgment on the Cavs being um, fixed and being a defense that's going to continue this as the playoffs go on um, for when they actually play against a team that has more than one guy that they're desperately trying to take out of the game. I think Cavs fans would simply take the opportunity. Sure. They would be happy to, to at this point to have to see that. We had a late question come in. Okay. When is someone going to press Ty Lue about his abhorrent lineups? Is that how you say that word? Abhorrent, yeah. Abhorrent lineups. Or if they have, what is his response? I don't have any problem with the starting lineup. Starting lineup I think is good. Um and I think I think he's you know, <laughs> I think people mean the rotations more than anything. Yeah, but that's such an easy thing to say. It's such a, you know, you could just say, "Oh, the rotations stink." Well, who who do you want? Okay. What do you what do you want? I think that's fair. If 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 it's me and I'm not Ty and Ty's smarter at basketball than I am, but but in this particular series against Indiana, I think it should always be 
LeBron and four shooters. We talked about that mm-hmm. after game one, Joe, mm-hmm. you and I. Or the same way that they played at times through the regular season. LeBron is the primary playmaker, somebody to set a screen and then command a lot of attention when they dive to the basket. So that can be Larry Nance Jr. or Tristan Thompson. And then shooters around those two guys. Mm-hmm. Like, those types of lineups just make you feel that's Cavs basketball. Right. And obviously when LeBron goes down, I think Kevin has to be on the court and you have to stagger Kevin. But but again, I think what Ty did at the beginning of the series raised some eyebrows, but he has tried his best to be flexible and correct those things. Yeah. I just don't think the Green Nance thing works at all because okay. you've got two guys that the defense is just not all that worried about. Right. That makes sense. So yeah. I'd go away from that whole, quote-unquote, traditional front court, if yeah. you can call it traditional. Because Jeff Green is essentially a center. They're guarding him like a center. And Larry Nance Jr. is being guarded like a center. Well, maybe so we'll that's ask very him, difficult. Maybe we'll ask him that. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, no, All right. There it is. Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We'll see what the Cavs do uh, game five, Joe. 2-2 two, two series. You like the Cavs' chances? Barely. Barely. I barely like them. All right. We'll talk to you guys uh, following uh, Game 5 here on Cleveland.com. Thanks for tuning in.